3: Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Good Morning Lambo. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. You can email us, PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text us, 865-658-5824. I'm joined alongside Tim live in Green Bay here to talk a little Green Bay Packers. We had a little news break just a second ago, man. I had some stuff keyed up, Tim. We were going to hit a mock draft by the 33rd team. We were going to look at uh, some of the top prospects to watch at the uh, the Reese Senior Bowl. And then, boom, Ian Rappaport smacks us right in the face with this, right? The Packers requested to speak with Ravens secondary coach Denard Wilson for their vacant defensive coordinator job, source said. He's also interviewing with the Titans today for their D.C. job, and the Rams and Giants have talked to him as well. So they're at least trying – they're requesting to speak to him. I know uh, I'm hearing other reports that he has been requested to interview when you say requested to speak in an interview, it kind of makes you go, hmm, that's a little bit different wording. But uh, we'll see if it, it just might have been a slip up by Ian or if there was actually something to that. But this is one of our top candidates, Tim. You know, we talked about um, the, the coaching candidates that we would like to see hired. We actually listed five. We listed Chris Hewitt in Baltimore, uh, Denard Wilson um, in Baltimore, and then we had Dave Merritt in Kansas City. And then in San Francisco, we had Johnny Holland and Daniel Bullock, right? And uh, I, you, you guys know how I feel. I would love to see them pluck anyone from the Baltimore Ravens coaching staff. And uh, Denard Wilson is, uh, you know, he's he's second on that staff to me and who I would want. There were some other names other people were throwing around. I was kind of like, eh, not so much. And the reason being I was big on Chris Hewitt and Denard Wilson is because Chris Hewitt's the passing game coordinator. Denard Wilson is the DB coach. We pointed out that the top three scoring defenses in the league all had great passing defenses and Baltimore is very first in passing in yards per passing attempt. Okay. So, um, Denard Wilson is their DB coach. So, uh, really excited about this potential interview here, Tim, um, on the surface, what do you think, man?
4: Yeah. Uh, he's from Baltimore, right?
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's all you need, right? There
4: you go. Um, and then, um, yeah. I mean, just looking at, uh, kind of the five that we put together, it's nice to see that they're reaching out to, uh, to this guy, at le- and, you know, hopefully the Ravens grant permission. I'm assuming they will being that he's got other, uh, other interviews lined up as well, it seems. So it's kind of like, looks like the Packers are like, Hey, throw our name in the list too. We need the green light. We want to interview him as well. So I think we're getting closer. Uh, clearly the process is still ongoing and, uh, We'll see, man. Lots yeah. to be excited about, though. It's always good when you get some news, um, even if it is a little story like this. That you know, we're at right. least reaching out, asking permission to to, to talk to this guy. So right. it could be a good thing. And and like you said, that uh, coming from that secondary experience, that might be where we where we want our DC. Obviously, this would be a you know another first year DC. Uh, you know, first crack at being a D.C., but uh, coming from the secondary and having that experience on the back end could really bode well for us in Green Bay.
3: Yeah, and we're going to dive into the numbers, gang. We're going to look at, you know, why we were so big on on Baltimore, and uh, we'll actually break down the PFF grades as well and show you where the coverage grades are. You know, we did this with Christian Parker, right, and we want to do it with every candidate that seems to be a serious candidate for the D.C. job. We pointed out with Christian Parker the numbers didn't look great. Right, and and we'll uh we'll actually go through that again, really really quick here in just a second. But first, I think it would be cool, Tim, if we actually heard from uh Denard Wilson first. And I've got a mocked up session here from him. Okay, and um, I'm gonna pull it up as I get this stuff organized here. We got, I think we're ready now. Um, and basically he was with the Eagles in 2022. Now you guys know the Eagles played pretty good in 2022, right? That defense took a big step back it seems like at least on the surface, right? I think they end up firing their DC. I think they fired a DC and fired another DC that was kind of in place, if I remember correctly. So you've seen them kind of make some adjustments there. This guy was on their staff in 2022. They did not hire him as the DC or promote him. So he left and went to Baltimore. And now you see he's getting interviewed for a, uh, DC jobs, or at least requested to interview for DC jobs. But anyway, this is our boy Denard Wilson again, our second overall choice in the in the coaching hire process here. Um, the reason being, Baltimore number one in points per play, number one in points per game, number one in passing yards per attempt. They've got just a outstanding passing defense. Uh, when it comes to uh, pretty much every metric in that regard. But here he is. Denard Wilson, he was mocked up for a Philadelphia Eagles practice just to kind of give you guys an idea. Personality, fire, all that good stuff. Here we go.
2: What are you thinking?
0: I got the warriors.
2: Of course you don't go with the Warriors I you came up you came up like you was about to start shadow boxing. You just came up to me like you was about to start shadow boxing. You saw him. No, I'm gangster coach. I got the most tackles along. Uh-huh. <laughs> you keep breaking You keep acting like you a tough guy. You know you you can't fight. So I got beating. You can't fight. I'm really 80 and 0. You 80 and 0. 80 and 0. So you've been in 80 fights. I've probably been the most. Shut up. Let me see that ball. I think we got to let this thing rip a little bit. <clears throat> Come on, man. Don't drop a dime. That was, nah. You got aggressive with that boy. You threw that. You threw that like Jeff. You threw that like Jeff George. <laughs> <laughs> I got six weeks, so I'ma give it to you. Everything you want today. Here we go. Give me three lines. Give me a line on the cone. Line on the cone. A line of ball carriers. Vice tackle strip out. All right. This line fits up. That one strips out. Put on your right hand. Yes sir. Ready? Say hit. Inside out. Inside out. Good. Get it out. Scoop it up. Good. Here we go. Say hit. Good, Vontae, little angry man. Make sure we stay low and burst out. All right, we're going that way. Finish on the ball, all right? Finish on the ball. Ready? Walk, pedal, pedal, flip, burst. We ain't going through the motions today. Walk, pedal, pedal, flip. Ready? Say hit, squeeze, squeeze, Top, chop, top. chop. Boom, good. Boom, in, and in, in, squeeze, perfect. Outstanding, outstanding. I'm going to open you and run, and I want you to open run. Then I'm going to break you. 45 degrees for you going that way, 45 degrees for you going that way. Everybody open inside and drive. Ready? Say hit, walk. Push, open. Drive. That's it. That's it. Ready? Walk. Pedal. Open. Drive. Drive. Thank you. Thank you. Next guy up. Walk. Pedal. Open. Drive. There, she's learning, Mac. That's what I like. To hit, walk, pedal, weave, speed turn. Go get it. Come out running, say Come out running. And go, walk, pedal, Whee. Get out of there. Way to drive, uh, take good catch, boy. Get out. Ah, oh, boy, you got hands like feet. All right, W drill. Say hit, drive. Good, good. That's it, 46. Open that knee smooth, open that knee smooth. That's it, that's it. Target that knee to him, target his knee. We gotta be efficient, efficient in all our movement. Good, nice. That's perfect. That's perfect right there, boy. That's the way to come to work right there, Josh. Say hit. Oh! That's it, Marcus. That's it, that's the toughest one you got. Come on, Tay. Having a good day today, Tay. Having a good day today, Tay. That's it. I'm glad you finally took a dag on shallow crossing. Hell yeah. Here we go. Ready? Say Just throw it back. Throw it back. Throw it back. Today, man, it's the last day we're getting to physically compete. We got to come out of this thing feeling good about ourselves and how we're getting down and how we're going to come out here and put our uh, foot on people's throat, all right? But it starts today at practice. We want to leave here with a great feeling, so when we come back, we hit the ground running, all right? We gotta make sure we talk now. Hey, make sure we work on keeping them in bounds. Quiet. Good, Vontae. Good eye discipline. Good eye discipline. Hey, Mac, Mac, Mac. Remember, they're gonna attack the sideline. You still gotta get your whip. All right? What are we protecting in two minutes? Sideline. Sideline. Hey, Marcus, be good with your disguise. Ain't nobody gonna outrun you. All right? So squeeze in the hip pocket and take the air out. Okay. Got me? Use your help. Use a rat. Have a game plan. Spray. Go get it. Undercut. Undercut. Ah, uh, got it. There we go. Get set. Give me a burst to the ball. There we go. Talk to me. Hey, know what we doing on the back side? Beat him into a stance. Beat him into a stance. Sink, 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 sink. Break on it. I see those hands, 2-7. See it. See it. Spray. Go get it, James. Bam! Get to it. Punch it out, boy. Ooh. Ball, tight ball. Get outside. Get outside. Get inside some more, 2-9. Boom, ah, don't grab. You should be outside leverage. Get outside. Here we go, last one. Last one, hey, make it a good one. Make it a good one now. Sack, finish, plaster, plaster, finish. Oh, sack. Hey, Fletch, hey, Fletch, we got one for you. We got one for you. <laughs> I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some gloves, and I'm gonna put them right in the front of the room, and uh, then me and you. I'm gonna see how nice your hands are. Been that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you gonna be ready to, You gonna be re- you, gonna, you gonna be ready to tee off for me? Hell with hell with him uh, yelling at my ass. <laughs>
3: Love it. Love it. Love it. So obviously that came from the Eagles website there from a couple years ago or actually last year. Um, you hear him say, we got one for you, Fletch. We got one for you, Fletch. He was talking to Fletcher Cox like, hey, we got you that coverage sack. Don't pretend like you got that sack. We got it for you. So uh, I like the energy he brings. Um, obviously, we need to dive into the numbers, dive into the resume, if you will. And again, um no interview is set yet. They're they're set to interview him if uh if indeed it gets approved, right? It sounds like they want to speak to him. That could be interview, could be a conversation, what have you. But um what do you think, Tim? Just after watching that video, seems like a guy who connects with the players pretty well, got a good sense of humor, also brings a little fire to the table, right?
4: Yeah. And uh that's important, right? You need you need someone that can relate to the players and that the players want to play for. Um yeah, I love the dynamic he has with the guys out there. I mean, that's old, old footage, but it it's a testament to him as a coach. Um, and I do, I like the attitude. It seems like um, he likes to make it fun and lighthearted and have fun with his guys. But then it's all business when it's time to, to get to the football. The question, the question that remains is, can he call a defense? You know, like mm-hmm. what we're seeing here is great. The hands-on working with the players is great. We all know that's not really what you do as a DC you've got to formulate a, a defensive scheme and you got to call plays um, so that would be my concerns him being a, a first year DC that's not to say that he can't it's just that that's the great unknown um, you know time will tell hopefully we get get him in for an interview get to pick his brain and see uh, see what his plan is I'm sure that's a, a big part of the interview process you know what what would be your game plan you know quote unquote game plan overall coming in here as a DC. Um, so we'll see. Um, but those are the question marks I have, you know, can, can he, you know, formulate a defensive scheme and, and, uh, call a, call a game plan, call plays. So, um, but it looks good. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. And you never know until someone gets the opportunity, right? Every single right. coach in the national football league at some point, we're in a DC, right? That's right. Um, you know, every it's like DC you said there.
4: about Jordan, you can't learn to be a quarterback without playing, you know, you, so. now
3: you you respect and and appreciate the fact that the organization knows what Jordan is because they've seen him over and over and over in practice. But until you're put into the fire like that, man, just a whole different different animal. But, you know, kind of talking about uh, where he came from, the coaches he's coached under, he's got a very, very versatile uh, coaching tree, if you will. He coached under Greg Williams. You guys remember Greg Williams with the Jets. He was also with the Saints. He's the guy who got suspended for Bounty Gate, right? Um, Just one of those – Tough edge guys. He also coached in Cleveland for a bit, right? Um, Todd Bowles, head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, we mentioned that Tampa is the um, the fourth best scoring defense in the league. They were fourth in points per play, which I prioritize over points per game. They were fifth in points per game. Um, so Todd Bowles is the head coach down there. He coached under uh, Todd Bowles, who spent time with the Bucks and the Jets, right? So um, he, Todd Bowles has been many places, but he's with the Bucks now as the head coach. Um, Jonathan Gannon was the most recent one, which I, if I remember correctly, he went to Arizona. So that's the mo- most recent member of his coaching tree. And then, of course, Baltimore last year coaching under McDonald and uh, and those guys and, and remember what we talked about yesterday the Baltimore Ravens there's multiple teams that's requested to speak to Denard Wilson too so you got to keep that in mind there's going to be a lot of competition um as they request to speak to him or whatever Baltimore's kind of they're waiting to hear is McDonald going to get a head coaching job if he doesn't they're good all right you can't really do anything you're going to lose a couple guys on your staff probably if McDonald does take the DC job or does take a head coaching job. Now they're jockeying to see who are we going to promote as our DC to block that move. Right. And it may be something that they just kind of go, all right, the most qualified person needs to be our DC. That would probably be the logical approach. But part of me also wonders, are they going to kind of sit back and go, okay, who's getting the most attention? Let's make sure we keep both guys on staff. All right. If it looks like Denard Wilson's going to get a head or a DC job over Chris Hewitt, then maybe we promote Denard Wilson as D.C. and let him leapfrog Chris Hewitt to keep them both on staff for a year. Or, you know, if Chris Hewitt's going to get a D.C. job offered to him quicker, promote him as D.C., and then you promote Denard Wilson passing game coordinators so you can kind of see how that whole blocking the lateral moves fall in place it's just a, it's a fascinating conversation how the NFL works from the coaching standpoint Drew D in the chat says good morning well looks like Christian Parker hasn't been offered the job after all that's that's what it sounded like to me Drew I believe it would have leaked out by now we played the clip from Wildy last night from Wildy and Tausch where he said he hasn't heard that he didn't say you know he did go on record saying, you know, it doesn't mean it's not true, but I haven't heard that. That's all. That's the only information we needed right there was okay. If, if the guys who were in the building on a daily basis for the most part, haven't heard it, then highly, highly unlikely. It was, it was the accurate Intel who leaked it to, I think it was Andrew Mertig. Now, again, I think that someone did tell Andrew that I think Andrew's a stand up guy. It's just, was it accurate? And they may wrap back around to it too. We may go through six or seven, you know, interviews and then come back to Christian Parker. Right. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you though, Drew. That's, that's the way I would lean, man. CL in the chat says, uh, beginning to believe the Packers planted the Christian Parker quote offer story to someone who took the bait in order to pursue their real targets with less public scrutiny. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with the scrutiny part, but there's definitely, uh, we 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 refer to them as lying season all the time in the NFL right there's certain aspects of the year where uh inaccurate information will get leaked out of the building purpose right it's uh it's kind of like that i don't know it's almost like a a a whole organization of spies trying to spread all these false rumors so you can keep other teams off of your top candidates things like that i think that little game of cat and mouse does take place maybe not to the level that us fans want to believe it does but i think it does exist eric sutherland says i'm more of a sheep i follow and want to fit in so i want leonard because he played at wisconsin or al harris he was a packer they have to be the best best candidates right (laughs) sarcasm is deep this morning carly how you doing this morning
5: i'm doing all right i'm just i'm here with uh playing with a toddler so if you guys hear any weird banging or you know weird noises that's all it is all right gotcha gotcha.
3: (laughs) good stuff we're just in here kind of talking a little bit about uh denard wilson and the fact that it sounds like according to ian Rappaport, they have requested to speak to him so uh, we just played a mocked up clip on him obviously a little bit long but i think it's cool to just kind of get an idea of his personality the energy brings that type of thing now we were kind of talking about um Christian Parker there just a second ago, right? And you guys know I wasn't very big on – that one kind of came out of nowhere for me. He has ties to LaFleur from back to 2019, 2020. And, again, it doesn't mean he can't be a good D.C. It doesn't mean that he wouldn't be successful. But when we broke down kind of the numbers, you know, he was the DB coach. He is the DB coach, to the best of my knowledge, still in Denver. Um, last year, their coverage grades were uh, were pretty bad, right? They, uh, they finished 31st, according to PFF, at 48.4, all right? Now, it could be the players – But it could also, you know, when you're the DB coach and your position group performs that bad, not a good look. I don't think anyone would say that. Now, when we looked at the numbers themselves, as far as the 33rd team and EPA ranking for the Denver Broncos defense, it was 25th, 27th, 20th, 22nd, 22nd, 2nd, 30th, 13th, 30th, 22nd, 12th, 15th, 23rd, and 24th. There was only two, actually just one of those fell in the top 10 which actually finished second and that was when they were in man coverage which was 27% of the time 14th most in the league so nothing really um nothing really pops out to you on this EPA ranking with the Denver Broncos right now let me give you guys kind of a um a uh a kind of a, an alternate view on what Baltimore's defense looked like. All right, I'm just going to pop them up real quick. Look at those EPAs on the right right there for Denver. Now, let me flash Baltimore's. Look at the difference. 10th, 2nd, 1st, 25th, 8th, 20th, 1st, 6th, 3rd, 2nd, 8th, 7th, 3rd, and 4th. And for those of you listening on the pod, we won't go through the complete rankings again, but just to give you an idea of what we're saying, they ranked an EPA, right? Which is essentially a quality ranking system for each of these, uh, you know, position groups, scenarios, things like that. It was base defense, nickel, dime plus, gap run, zone run, man coverage, zone coverage, three rushers, four rushers, five rushers, six plus rushers, uh, pressure, middle of the field closed, middle of the field open, okay? So, just solid across the board. They like to play a lot of middle field open. Get ready for shell again, guys. Might potentially be coming if they hired a Denard Wilson, which you guys know I like that shell. Um, so those that's kind of how the numbers stack up from the Ravens' standpoint. Now let's talk about Denard Wilson for a second and his coaching history, okay? I'm going to drop the ticker down real quick. Um, This is just his quick bio. okay, and it'll run through everything. And then we'll kind of go to the Wikipedia page and show you guys how it lines up there as well. So Denard Wilson enters his 12th year as an NFL coach and not leading defensive backs at the pro level. So he's had nine years of experience coaching defensive backs at the pro level. He most recently spent two seasons with the Philadelphia Eagles where he served as defensive passing game coordinator, defensive backs coach in 2022, and a defensive backs coach in 2021. So he has been a passing game coordinator, Tim. That's great news right there. Before serving on the Eagles staff, Wilson spent four years with the New York Jets from 2017 to 2020. Wilson first entered the NFL coaching ranks with the St. Louis Rams. Uh, from 2012 to 2016, following a four-year stint as a pro scout with the Chicago Bears, 2008 through 11. So he's got scouting. Um, he's got a scouting background as well, got some scouting experience. He was also a graduate assistant at the University of Maryland from 07 to 08 and worked as a defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator at DeMatha Catholic in Maryland. It's a high school. He was there from 04 to 06. He uh, These these are just some some bullet notes real quick. Has played an important role for the development of several standout NFL DBs, including Jamal Adams, James Bradbury, Marcus May, and Darius Slay. He uh, mentored a group that helped Philadelphia establish the the NFL's number one pass defense at 179.8 yards per game. So Philly actually had the number one pass defense when he was there on staff en route to a Super Bowl appearance in 2022. Spent four years with the Jets. As the passing game coordinator slash de- defensive backs coach and defensive backs coach, guiding uh, safety Marcus May to a career year in 2020, single season best 88 tackles, four for a loss, two sacks, two ints, two forced fumbles, two or fu- uh, one fumble recovery, and 11 pass deflections. And Jamal Adams to two consecutive Pro Bowls from 2018, to 2019. Uh, coached at both his Maryland-based high school, Dematha. Uh, Catholic and College University of Maryland alma mater. So, pretty uh, pretty good little resume there, Tim. So that that makes me feel a lot better too. If if they do decide to go with someone like Denard Wilson, which like we said is uh is our number two choice here out of Baltimore, um, you know he's he's been a passing game coordinator before. That's that really says a lot. So
4: that's huge. That means uh, X's
3: and O's. For sure. One step closer to calling the plays, right? Like he's yep. just one step down from calling the plays. So yeah. Yep. Um,
5: I like that. Uh, I like that number one passing defense. That's Ooh. that's a recipe for success there.
3: And and here's the thing that we just pointed this out before you hopped on, too, Carly. They were the number one passing defense the last year he was in Philly, right? Then he leaves Philly and goes to Baltimore. And guess what? Baltimore had the number one passing defense according to yards per pass attempt. So you know, we, the old saying, we always break out, you know, the whole thing of, uh, um, if everywhere you go, it smells like crap. You might want to check your boot. If everywhere you go stuff works, you know, it might be the fact that he's, uh, he's on staff. So, um, at least one of the pieces, right? Uh, Eric Sutherland in the chat said, look at the Eagles past the events since he, since he left. It's hot garbage. Maybe he's the reason. I like him for sure. You start connecting the dots, right, Eric? I say, it's funny. I hadn't seen your uh, comment there. Tim actually put it on the screen for me, and I was saying what you were saying as you were as Tim was putting it up there. So uh, Drew D. in the chat, too, says uh, – and this is totally cool, Drew. Drew says, I don't know. I get a better feeling about Parker. I'm concerned that Baltimore coaches are a product of the system. Well, was he a product of the system in Philly, right? And I understand your concern because it's just like, man, that that staff seems to be loaded. The players, just everything about Baltimore's pass defense seems to be really good when they're not playing Patrick Mahomes. But uh, um, I don't know, man. It's just the, the fact that they had so much success in uh, in Philadelphia too. And then you, you heard about him coaching the DBs back when Jamal Adams was a two-time Pro Bowler. He goes to Seattle, drops off the face of the freaking earth, right? So there's a lot of things that have come into play um in that regard to the success he had with marcus may as well so we got emilio joining us now he just rolled out of bed what's up emilio what What's happening? <laughs> we're just sitting here breaking down a little denard wilson have you heard anything about that
4: no i i, I haven't heard i did watch a clip though i i <laughs> love that absolutely yeah. love that i mean cause he, he's a player's coach but also he he knows ball i mean he was, yeah. he was on it. And, uh, I like that about, you know, we got you one Fletcher and, and there's that game, you know, behind the scenes just of the players and coaches you, you have, you're coming to work every day. You got to have fun doing it. I mean, yeah, it's a job, it's a game. They get paid a bunch of money, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's also, it's also work and it's also, you know, you got to show up, um, to play.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, so, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about the interview. Like I said, and the interview hasn't been set yet. They're just choosing to speak to him or whatever they asked to speak to him. Right. So we'll see if it happens. But, um, I imagine Chris Hewitt would be on their short list too. Although they may just jump right by Chris Hewitt and say, Hey, Denard Wilson's our guy. That could be the case too. Um, I feel, I still think they're. I wouldn't be surprised if this carries into, you know, a week or two into February either. Right. right. I don't think they're going to rush to any kind of decisions. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just something to keep an eye on for sure. So, um, Let's see on his Wicca page here i pull I wanted to pull this up if you'll notice the box there in the lower right that sh- that's that's a really quick glance um, at his coaching history and uh, when you when you kind of look at it you know as an administrator he was a pro scout for the Bears, like we said from 08 to to uh, 2011 um Baltimore Ravens you know obviously was the most recent stint but if you hop all the way up as a coach actually as a player he played for the Washington football team in 04 um I think he was just a practice squad member so he made it to the league but you know obviously those who can't teach right you hear about it all the time Uh, obviously he wasn't a a great, you know, pro football player by no stretch of the imagination, but he did kind of make it up there. He, he's put in the preparation. You know the players will respect that aspect of him for sure. But as a coach, St. Louis Rams from 2012 to 2014 as defensive quality control coach. St. Louis uh, slash L.A. Rams from 2015 to 2016, defensive backs coach. New York Jets from 2017 to 2018, defensive backs coach. Uh, New York Jets from 2019 to 2020 as a passing game coordinator and defensive backs coach. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles in 2021 as a defensive backs coach. Eagles as the passing game coordinator and defensive backs coach, which had the number one pass defense in the entire league. He was the one coordinating the passing game. He wasn't calling the plays. I believe that was Jonathan Gannon, if I remember correctly, who's now the head coach in Arizona, I think. I'm pretty sure he's a defensive coach. And then uh, Baltimore Ravens, obviously, last year as the defensive backs coach, and they went right to the top as the number one passing defense as well. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really liking this. I like this a lot more, uh, a lot better than – and Christian Parker, personally. so um, And, again, it doesn't mean Christian Parker couldn't be a great coach. It's just when you kind of dive into the numbers, that's that's how it seems to me. So, um, yeah, let's see here what else we got in the chat real quick. Um, let's see what Steve said. Steve said, Clayton, I still feel like you. And I said they are waiting to view everyone. And could it be they want to interview Johnny Holland and others? It's good they're taking their uh, time this time. Yeah, I, I think last time, if I remember correctly, they hired Joe Barry I believe it was February 21st, but it never felt like they were, you know, outside of Jim Leonard. It didn't really feel like they were just casting this broad net. Right. It was almost like Jim Leonard or we're going to we're just going to uh, um, hire Joe Barry, that type of thing. Right. So we got Jacob joining us in here now. What's up, Jacob? How you doing, buddy?
0: Look at this, like the Brady bunch up in here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you go. Hey, look, what's this? Can you smile down at it? You got to look up at me, Jacob. Come on, look up, man. Oh, <laughs> me All right. um, have you heard the news about Denard Wilson, Jacob? No,
0: I haven't heard anything. I just, sorry. Jacob,
3: you didn't hear about Denard Wilson. They fired Matt LaFleur and hired Denard Wilson. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: good. <No>. good. <laughs> it's good. He's oh, my God. <laughs> Hours, my
3: Now Denard Wilson, we won't. For, for the listeners' sake, we won't run through everything again, but he's basically been – they've been – they've requested to speak to Denard Wilson, which is the DB coach in Baltimore. So, number one pass defense. In the, mm-hmm. in the, so, there you go. Um Yeah, but I agree with Steve there. That could be the case too, right? Cast a wide net. All these guys aren't going to get D.C. jobs. The problem is if you've got a ranking and you go, okay, here's my top three guys – Johnny Holland could be number one, right? And again, we got to mention that Johnny Holland's battling an illness. So there's a chance that there's a good chance he might not even be interested in the DC job, want to stay put, that type of thing. Um, yeah. But let's say Johnny Holland is their their top choice. Just play along with me here. And let's say that someone on Kansas City squad, I don't think it's the case, but let's say like Dave Merritt on Kansas City squad is their number two choice. And then maybe Chris Hewitt or Denard Wilson's their number three. Go ahead and get that interview out of the way, right? And if he comes in and he knocks it out of the park, same thing we said with Christian Parker. If he comes in and just absolutely crushes it and you feel good about it, hire him, right? But I would I would much rather interview more people than less, for sure. Let's get this thing right. And, um, yeah, I love that they're – yeah, just uh, their approach here because, like I said, Baltimore – everything about Baltimore's defense was just phenomenal, man. It was uh, – yeah, you know, I love that our team is built to stop the pass, right? They're built to, to rush the passer, I should say. Um, I think we've swung and missed on quite a few in the secondary. That's just me personally. Um, But if you kind of go by the blueprint that the rest of the league's creating with these top three scoring defenses, uh, Baltimore, Kansas City, and San Francisco, they're geared to stop the pass first and foremost, right? Las Vegas is another one. Las Vegas Raiders had the fifth best scoring defense, according to PPP, uh, points per play, points per game. They were seventh. Their passing game, they were 11th in uh, in yards per pass attempt. So there's another one. New Orleans sixth in scoring, both uh, both in points per play and points per game. They were 10th in uh, y- passing yards per attempt. So you can see those top scoring defenses are focused on stopping the pass. So get someone in here that's a that's a pass specialist. You yeah. know, kind of how I see it. So there you go. Uh, anybody got anything else they want to add to that real quick before we dive into more information on Denard Wilson, Tim,
4: Milio, anybody? just looking at that, that, um, mic'd up with the Eagles, um, you know, seeing uh, Darius Slay back there and his relatability to both the young, younger guys and the veterans in that secondary is, uh, something pretty cool too. I think, uh, coming to a green Bay team, possibly, you know, we'll see if he actually does get interviewed and, uh, if he is a finalist, I mean, we have a really young team, but we also have veterans, uh, peppered in on that defense. Um, so I think it's cool that we have a coach that's, uh, you know, young enough to relate to the young younger players, but also uh, knows how to deal with veterans uh, in this league, which is uh, clearly huge. You know, we got a lot of uh, veteran personalities, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So just think that's mm-hmm. pretty cool. And to that point, I mean, what he helped, he helped, you know, shape Slay and, and Jamal Adams. So it's nice that it's, you know, it's not just. The I guess I, I guess you'd say no names or whatever, not the big right. name sort of thing. He can work with them, but he also can help you know a Rashawn Gary, some you know a Jair get get better as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, Clayton, you know, being a, a passing game coordinator, that's uh, that makes me feel better about He's taking a, taking right. a chance on a on him as a first year uh, you know DC play caller.
3: Yeah, and to the best of my knowledge, Christian Parker hasn't been a passing game coordinator yet, right? So right,
4: just a um, DBs coach, right? Yeah
3: lot younger. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. just a guy who's sore in the ranks. Honestly, Christian Parker kind of feels like a Denard Wilson three years ago, right? Like right. he's he's now stepping into some of those roles. If he doesn't get offered a DC job, um, then you could probably see him stepping in as a passing game coordinator somewhere and eventually maybe eventually in Denver. I don't know. I'm I'm eager to see what happens in Denver just overall because they're obviously planning on moving on for Russell Wilson and to see what uh Coach Peyton does out there. You know, he ruffled a lot of feathers when he stepped back in the league. But man, it's uh that's gonna be fascinating to watch this year. I love just all the storylines across the league. And and it and it's all gonna get cranked up here with free agency in the draft and all that good stuff. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh Mikey Kamuda in the chat says, hypothetical, you're Matt. What's the top question you are asking any candidate? My top if I'm Matt LaFleur, my top question is, how serious do you take your eyebrows, my friend? Ooh. That's right. We got to get the good questions out of the way here. Um, <laughs> it's your top question you're asking any candidate. So as you go to interview a candidate, what's the top question? Um, you know I think that the first question should be, hey, what? You know, give me, give me your, give me your prioritized list here. Are you more focused on stopping the pass? Are you more focused on stopping the run? Obviously, the easy answer is stop everything. I got you, got you, tough guy. But it's the NFL. You can't take everything away, right? Uh, what's your top quality, right? Might be, might be the right thing. Here's the other thing, too. I think this would be a great question. You're interviewing someone for a D.C. job, right? And this is going to be one that most candidates would probably say, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. You know, we've been busy. But imagine if someone answers this question properly. What well, if you say, you've seen our roster, Coach? How What are you going to do to get the most out of this roster and, you know, these specific players, and they may BS an answer and go. Well, I think you got a lot of talent here, blah blah blah. But if they go, Jair Alexander is all pro material, right? You know, with what you took in Anthony Johnson Jr., I see how he can play top down. We played a lot of shell in Philly, and if he goes into great detail about your personnel, that tells me on his way to Green Bay, the flight to Green Bay, he was he was putting in the time to go. All right, let me just kind of dig into this roster a little bit, right? If someone goes, well, I haven't really had a chance. It doesn't mean they're disqualified as a candidate, but someone like that really pops off the chart. I
4: think that's that's a great point Clayton because that's Matt LaFleur right he came in here and absolutely crushed the well, interview the right so now the now he's doing the interviewing so I think Matt's going to be on point uh when it comes to picking out a candidate here yeah. for sure just based on much, his experience how much energy does that take you know if you're if you're serious about it and you want to do it how much does it take to you know pull out the iPad and type in you know Green Bay Packers roster and just start hitting it just on the flight over like Clayton said and then you actually walk in there with a little bit of you know knowledge you know what you're getting yourself into and you know maybe you ask him hey what is your obviously what's your goal moving forward are you just trying to be here one year and jump are you trying to you know do you want to do you want to hang around and like you know make something here does it want to be you want to be part of a dynasty sort of thing that that might be another question you're yeah. looking at or is it is it are we just a stepping stone
3: No that's that's a great point too Carly Ray is always so polite. She put in the private chat. I have a question I want to ask of the candidate, Carly. You've got to get better at this. You, just sure. tell, you tell us to shut up. Hey, I got a question. Don't don't put it in there. You just cut us off. Okay. What what's your question? What's your uh, your thought here?
5: No, it's actually funny because both Tim and then Emilio said the exact things that I was going to say that in my in my mind, um, like what Tim said, as far as like being prepared, like Matt LaFleur got the job because he was the best prepared. And so he is going to have some high expectations for that preparation. And on, for me, if somebody comes in and says, hey, I didn't really have time to, you know, to look at it, not sure what the goals are. I'd be like, er, next you know, you can keep talking, find out some information. But that right. that would, in my mind, disqualify. Um, a candidate because it shows they don't really care and you want somebody that wants to be here. Yeah. Um, and then my my next thing was what, exactly what Emilio says, like, what are your long-term goals? What is your, you know, if they say, you know, in 10 years, you know, wh- or where do you see yourself in 10 years? If they say, I want to be the best DC or, you know, in a place that I love and want to raise a family in a great town or something, that's a lot more promising than, Um, somebody that's like, yeah, I see myself as a head coach in 10 years, which I mean, you get seven years or something out of a DC or even five, five is like for somebody that's Bagnolo, right? He's been in with the chiefs for five years and he's just comfy there. Right. And he does a great job, which that's honestly what I would like. I would like somebody that might start out maybe a little slower, but Mm -hmm. is going to stay for a while and lead to some long-term success as opposed to somebody that's just going to come in real hot and be maybe awesome the first year and then leave. I just, I want some more stability and a, I want, I would love to build a, you know, a dynasty team. Cause I feel like we have a chance at that.
3: Yeah. And I, I think too, another way to answer that, you know, would be if I was answering that question and trying to impress an interview, my approach would be, look, it doesn't matter what I want to do in 10 years. I respect the question, but what matters is what we're going to do right now. Because if I don't do a good job right now, it doesn't matter what happens 10 years from now, I'm going to be out of the league. You're going to be out of the league. We're all going to be out of the Ooh, league. Ooh, right? Clayton
5: for DC right now. Clayton for what DC. We, let's
3: do it. What are we going to do right now? What are we going to let's, let's just like we say one play at a time in a game. We say one game at a time, right? We say one week at a time in preparation, one practice at a time, getting ready for that, that week up uh, you know, preparation, all those things. So if you approach it that way, you know, that I think that's what you're really looking for. And the rest will take care of itself. Because like you said, Carly, it would be nice to have someone who's going to stick around for a while. But at the same time, we can't stop that. Right. The league is going to come in and poach these guys so quick. There's nothing you can do about it. Talk about the interviewing process, too. There was a special on I think it was the Las Vegas Raiders. And it was talking about Bill Belichick and the lady who actually interviewed. I think it was with the Raiders, the lady who actually interviewed Belichick. She told Al Davis, this is your guy. This is the guy most qualified for the job. This guy is a freaking genius because I guarantee you he'd answer questions uh, much like we just talked about. Like he gave a detailed plan of how, here's how we're going to fix things. Here's how we're going to change things moving forward. And uh, it was actually Michael Lombardi did an extensive search for the next great head coach. He was one, I I think Belichick was his top choice. And there was like two other coaches that ended up going on to be great head coaches as well. But when he went through, breaking down the criteria of what it takes to be a great coach, Belichick was at the top. The The lady that worked for the Raiders at the time went to Al Davis and said, this is your guy. Al Davis moved forward with someone else. Belichick ends up landing back in with the Jets and then on to New England. And obviously, he's got more Super Bowls than anyone. But, uh, Jacob, you got anything else you want to add to this, man? You're sitting over quiet quiet. I know you just rolled out of bed, too, but you got anything you want to say here in the comments, questions?
0: I would probably just want to ask – uh, what does it mean to be a Green Bay Packer? And then ask, like, what do you know about the history? And if kind of like Carly said, if he's like, Oh, I know you guys like cheese, I'd be like, All right, cool. You know, they
1: jump in the stands.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd like them to know a little bit about the history, about the the you know, the the town, the championships, the all that kind of stuff. So if they showed that they were kind of just, oh, yeah, I like, you know, greens, nice, I'd be like, Oh, this guy doesn't take really the uh the weight of it all seriously. So that's all
3: I'd add. Yeah, Mikey in the chat says Clayton is defensive coordinator. Quote All right, Jair, I need you running butt naked through the trailer park while wrestling a raccoon in a dumpster. You got it, big dog? <laughs> huh? Take- that would be no, it for sure, man. I'll tell you what, you can wrestle a raccoon. You can play in the NFL. I guarantee you that, man. Those things are mean. I'll never forget, man. We had one in a dumpster one time. It's hilarious. It was at some apartments on ETSU campus. Some people locally here in Johnson oh, City, my John my Breyer, they're going, I know where this is at. So, it's like, all right, let's get this little fella out of here. He was mad. He was sitting so cute in the corner. Oh, he got so angry as soon as we popped that top open, right? So uh, it's hilarious. He went from looking like he's going to rip your throat out to we put a two by four down in there to let him crawl out. That's the way you handle it. Give him an exit and get the heck out of the way, right? I'll never forget him walking out of that dumpster looking at me. He mean mugged me, bro. Yeah. And the only time I've been mean mugged like that, I was in the Bronx at the Yankees game and I went into a little hat store and there was this like, this kid couldn't have been five years old, bro. He had the Freshest jeans, like the bleached jeans on the front, the brightest white sneakers you've ever seen in your life. This kid walks in, and I mean, he's in this maybe six foot wideness hat store, right? Just a tiny building. He walks in, and he mean mugged me up and down, dude. Like, like he he wanted to hurt me bad. I'm like, look at this. What is this? Like, I couldn't help but laugh. I'm like, look at this. And and then I immediately thought, okay, maybe he's like a a small person too. I, I don't know. You know like- <laughs> He had that, he had that kind of, you know what I mean? Like he, he looked at me like a grown man and he walked back as he walked back through the store or whatever, a guy outside said something in Spanish real fast. And that kid looked at me and walked out and walk. I'll never forget this. Me and Mandy standing there in that hassle. He walked out on the sidewalk. Put his foot up on the fire hydrant and it was his dad his dad tied his shoe for him. <laughs>
2: like, my God, they raised him young here, boy. Woo.
3: So anyway, I don't know where that came from. Here we go. We were talking about raccoons and now we're on to my experiences in the Bronx and getting yeah. mugged by Latino children. But they uh yeah I was I was scared. I ain't gonna lie man he uh he stripped me down there. That's All right coverage grades right here we go so we talked about the uh christian parker coverage grades right and it's it's really unfair to do that because it does come down to how good players are too right but um denver broncos 31st in the league in pff according to you know they're according to pff in coverage grade 48.4 right let's go to baltimore keep in mind denard wilson he is the db coach right he is responsible for the db group and we know the coverage grades are a, a big chunk of them are the dbs yes it's linebackers as well In some cases, it's defensive linemen and outside linebackers, although people still refuse to believe that any other defense in the league drops an OLB into coverage out of a 34 base, but that's a story for another pod. Baltimore, 93.0 coverage grade. 93.0 coverage grade. Only the Jets had a better coverage grade at 94.4, okay? Now, some people are going, why aren't we plucking from the Jets defensive coaches? Listen, I think the Jets probably have a great – Coaching staff on defense, right? But when you talk about the scoring defense, it just wasn't there, right? And and like if you just glance at them across the board here, their defensive grade wasn't 90, right? It was actually a higher defensive grade than the Baltimore Ravens. You've also got to take into consideration that rosters have more talent on them. You know, I think of Sauce Gardner. The New York Jets didn't make Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner came in the league and he was just a freaking stud right off the bat, right? I think of players like that on their interior too, you know, the big defensive linemen there played great. Even before Sala got there, that defensive, uh, that defensive front and the defensive personnel room was already pretty strong with New York. But uh, nonetheless, though, so coverage grade with Baltimore, man, 93.0. And look at San Francisco. We talked about them being the second best pass defense or the the fifth best pass defense, right? Look at their coverage grade, 92.1. We talked about Kansas City having the second best pass defense, right? Look at theirs. Their coverage grade is 10th at 81.7. So that would lead me to believe that you've got less talent on Kansas City's team. There's probably a little bit better coaching in the passing game in Kansas City. And, of course, that's Spagnola that you're not going to pry him away. I, don't, I still don't understand why he's not getting another shot at head coach, but uh, he is. Uh, I think he is closing in on 70 years old, too. But anyway, we go across the board here. Tim, what do you think, buddy, about these uh, these coverage grades here, man? like I said, Baltimore 93.0 that was Denard Wilson coaching those guys up.
4: Yeah. I mean, that's a trend, right. In those, uh, top five to, to seven high, high coverage grades. Um, you know, me, the other place I look right away is the tackle grade. Uh, again, that's not an indictment on the, on the DC necessarily. Um, but you know, we need guys in the secondary that can wrap up and finish tackles, um, and rally to the ball. We saw that, uh, you know, one of the things that kept uh, San Francisco in that game on Sunday was they just rallied to the ball. You get initial contact and, Very good you know, you're wrapping up or you're, you've are you got three or four guys and they're just – they're in there rallying towards the ball. So, you know, that goes to, to coverage grade as well. You know, you get a completion. Can you come up and, and you know, limit the yards after catch? So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a trend with the top defenses. And hopefully, you know, we can get a candidate in here that – stresses that because that was an issue in our secondary
3: yeah and the tackle grade for the san francisco 49ers is a 65.4 baltimore is actually 53.6 so san fran much better tackling team like you said tim um there you know like buffalo we pointed out that buffalo had a pretty solid defense too and there was rumors we were interested in interviewing bobby babich right their uh their linebacker coach look at their tackle grade 41.4 Right, so it is important to take these things into uh, into account. Like New Orleans, again, tenth best defense in passing yards per play, um, sixth in points per game, sixth in points per play. Look at their tackle grade, sixty one point six. Right, pretty solid. So Dallas Cowboys, one of the best tackling teams in the league. You know, we had uh, there's rumors that we were going to interview Add and Dirty, their defensive line coach, too. So maybe. Maybe they're kind of looking at it from that standpoint too of like, hey, let's get let's get this team tackling better. But uh nonetheless, I think the number one go as you look at the top defenses across the league and scoring, you gotta stop the pass first and foremost. And that's definitely what Baltimore keyed in on. So um yeah. Um Emilio Carly Jacob, anything else you guys got right now as we look at these grades? Yeah,
4: no, um, I don't think so. I, I'm 30, 30,
0: I, 33 tackling for Seattle's rough, but take it away, Jacob. Yeah, I'm I'm still uh I still like Bobby Babbage. I don't know what the. I do too, man. Um, I just think he's young and he fits. But I, I, I don't know. It is kind of a clear pattern that if you're going to be one of the top defenses, you got to stop the stop the pass. So.
3: Yeah. Now, if we were to glance back at our Bobby Babbage profile, aka our Buffalo Bills defense profile, right here were the numbers for them. Um, We'll take another a quick glance back at it because Jacob. I can't remember if you were on the show that day or not, but uh, so. Basically their EPA rankings, if we just fly down the list here and kind of talk about how high they're ranked in and everything without mention specifically what which ranking attaches to where. Second, tenth, sixth, fourteenth, twenty-fifth, tenth, fifth, second, fourth, twenty-third, seventeenth, fourth, sixth, and fifth. So I mean you I mean you can kind of see they, they have a little bit different approach, too. They play a ton of nickel. 80% of the time they're in nickel. So they're one of those teams that says we're, we're not worried about matching personnel unless it's a very short, you know, down and distance, that type of thing, a third and one, third and inches. We're just going to march our nickel out there the large majority of the time. They ran it third most in the league, and their EPA was 10th, right? When we look at Baltimore's and, um, and how they approached here, real quick, let's see here. Boom. They played base 18% of the time. They played nickel. Yeah, that's a Ravens' defensive number. So they played nickel 80% of the time, too. So you're seeing kind of how Matt LaFleur is looking at this, right? He's going into this looking, going, all right, maybe we need to play even more nickel than we did last year and get away from our base defense. When you do that, you really handcuff the opposing team's passing game, but it does make you a little more vulnerable against the run, which we pointed out, Baltimore – you come out and you play a lot of nickel, right? You play 80% nickel. That's fourth most in the league, right behind Bobby Babich's, uh Buffalo Bills. And your EPA in nickel was second in the league when you went dime plus. It was only 1% of the time. Very, very rare, but you, you actually increased to first in the league as far as EPA. Um, rushing defense, Baltimore was 23rd. So you can see they're just basically saying you can have the run. You can have the run. The great teams do that. I'm just telling you. The teams that are having a lot of success in the league, that's what they do. They're willing to give up the run. To stop the pass. They're they're worried about controlling those explosives. It's truly bend but don't break. It doesn't feel like that because you get teams in a lot of third and longs because they're not patient enough to stick with the run. And that's kind of what happened last year there with uh with Kansas City in the uh in the playoffs too. It's like teams could beat them if they ran the ball. They just weren't patient enough to continue to run the ball. Kansas City this year, they're not playing defense any any different They're 25th in stopping the run. I know people get caught up in the yards per game as far as the running game and this and that. Our run defense actually got a little bit better this year than it was last year according to just overall rushing yards and yards per carry. But, you know, at the end of the day, you'd rather win ball games than have pretty statistics on defense. That's just me personally. So you got to follow the blueprint that's current in the league for sure. Um, Eric Sutherland says, it's a passing league. I want a great secondary and a great secondary can also help in the run defense as long as they can tackle. Very true if you put more speed on the field, you got a better opportunity of getting to the tackle. Now, will they close that? I don't know. I think we would all agree. Even, even our linebackers getting to the point of the tackle, we couldn't close the tackle this year either. Right. Safeties too. Like, and that's yeah, that's, where,
4: that's where my head went right away. You know, we need a, uh, we need some top down safeties. Um, and, uh, you know, especially when you talk about complementing the run game, you know, you've got to be able to drop down into the box and make a tackle. Um, you know, we saw that with J.O. a little bit, but I just think he wasn't consistent enough to really, you know, feel like he's a firm piece there uh, in the safety room as far as being, you know, one of those top-down safeties that can come up and make a tackle. We've seen it happen, and we love to see it, but we just – it's not consistent. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have some change in personnel on the back end. We need a, a D.C. that can, uh, you know, utilize that talent and – uh you know, complement our our uh, run defense. You know, with some of those guys that are, you know, you think safety, you think, oh, that you know, safety, extra coverage on the back end, yeah, that's great. Can you come down and make a make a stop on a on a third down or second down when we need you to in the run game? So I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, another thing to keep in mind too, as these talks kind of heat up with Denard Wilson, um, one of the key free agents that we said we'd like to see was Geno Stone, safety, right? Guess what? He played for Baltimore. So imagine Denard Wilson, if you bring in someone like Geno Stone from your defense, he already knows the defense. He understands everything about it. He can be that quarterback in the secondary, right? Mm -hmm. He's young. They're projecting him at six and a half million. Some people are going, who in the hell is Geno Stone? He was actually fourth in the entire National Football League amongst all safeties. That includes free safety and strong safety and passer rating when targeted, 37.9. Spotrak has his projected contract at six and a half million this off season. So that would be the first call I would make. Now it kind of goes hand in hand with uh, what someone asked here, Doug pointer. I think it was Doug pointer said, wouldn't the question, I guess he's saying, wouldn't the question be, who would you want to bring with you as position coaches uh, be something you would consider to be important? I mean, yeah, you got to put your staff together for sure. Right. And uh, you can poach some of those guys, but they've got, it's got to be a, uh, you know, you've got a problem away. First of all, the money's got to be right they got to pack up their family move across the country, so you're probably going to have to give them a bit of a pay raise. And it, to the best of my knowledge, position coaches can be blocked laterally too, I believe. If not, why would they want to leave for the same position and go across the country to somewhere else for less or the same money, right? So you got to make it worth their time. But that's typically what happens. These guys will put together their staff. Now, if I were to back up here and look at the coaching staff um, when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, if I took another quick glance here, just to uh, – just to kind of see here, let's see, out. you know, inside linebackers coach Zachary Orr. I think he's gotten a couple of interviews, too, if I remember correctly, or at least uh, requested to talk to. You've got defensive quality control coach Matt Robinson, only three years of experience. That might be one you bring with you. Outside linebackers coach Chuck Smith. Um, let's see, defensive quality control Daniel Stern. He's got eight years experience. So you got several different defensive quality control, at least two of them. Yeah at least two of them here. So that might be two. one of those two guys I could see him poaching, like a Matt Robinson or a Daniel Stern. And you go, okay, defensive quality control, Clayton, what does that mean? It's kind of the next step down from the position coaches. So you could bring in say a Matt Robinson and say, hey, would you like to go to Green Bay with me, get a pay raise, pay increase, and now you're a DB coach. So he would be stepping into the role that Denard Wilson kind of. And again, it's not that I like him personally or anything. It's just that's just kind of a, a broad example of how the coaching hires could take place and, and bringing guys with you, like Doug was pointing out. So, let's uh, rattle through the chat. Anybody else got anything in here? Just go ahead and talk over me. I'll go through. Still the chat a bunch
4: of you. zone, right? What's that? I said still a bunch of zone. Zone defense. Let's see. Yeah. Let's, let's see yeah.
3: what they ran here. Let me uh, let me run. That I way.
4: saw Baltimore was one, right? First.
3: Uh, let's see. Actually, uh, zone. De- yeah, you're right. Zone defense. They were number one in EPA against uh, when running the zone. Now, they only ran it. They ran it sixty percent of the time. That's seventeenth most in the league. They ran man twenty four percent of the time. That's seventeenth most in the league. So very very balanced yeah. approach there. When when you're talking about the rest of the league, let me drop this down again. Thank you so much, uh, Doug. We appreciate the comment, question, everybody. Um, so when you look at midfield closed, um, their EPA was third. They were good at everything, but they they ran midfield closed twenty eighth most in the league. They ran midfield open ninth most in the league. So that tells you. They're a middlefield open shell coverage type of team, two safeties on the shelf, right? Mm-hmm. And their EPA was four. So they would play middlefield open shell coverage zone 60% of the time. So this. It's like a freaking dream for me, guys. I ain't gonna be this is exactly what I envision for a defense, man. It's, you know, rather than going with someone from Dallas where it's man heavy and you know the explosives are gonna hit, it's just it goes with the territory. You'll hit big plays, you'll hit sacks because of the man coverage and, and all that good stuff. But um, man, being able to play zone defense, this this guy just soared to the top for me as far as candidates that we've interviewed so far. Bernard Wilson's my guy right now. Now, I hope they interview Chris Hewitt too and get into that sweepstakes. Um, and if they haven't made their decision, I'd love to see Johnny Holland bring in, obviously. Mm. I think he'd be a great fit. But right now, Denard Wilson, if everyone we've you know, been rumored to have interviewed or interested in interviewing, this is the guy. So there you go. Um, let's clean up the chat real quick. You guys got anything else in here as I kind of comb through it? Jacob, what's on your mind? You're sitting over there thinking.
0: Uh, no, I mean, I, I would love Johnny Holland, personally. I have a uh, autographed 8x11 over there with him, which would be great uh, to dust off. But um, I don't really know if that's another one of those wishes or kind of thing or if it's um, – is he actually, like, out there saying that he wants the job, that he's knowledgeable, that he has the capabilities and all that, or is it just one of those just,
3: like, Jim Leonard kind of things? Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know – The whole Jim Leonard thing just makes me cringe, man. I'm not going to lie. And I know I'm going to piss a lot of people off because there's a lot of Wisconsin fans, but it's – I get it. Like, the whole Al Harris thing sounds – it seems like a dream to me. Like, man, how cool would that be for Al Harris to come in here and just be a top five defensive coordinator? You know, that would be – that would be like a storybook, right? But if Al Harris hadn't played for the Packers, I wouldn't feel like that. So I've got to remove that bias because it's about having the best candidate. That's why I immediately asked Packer fans is like, if Jim, Le- Jim Leonard had zero ties to Wisconsin, would he still be your top candidate? I've, I haven't found one person that says, oh, yeah, and here's why. Not one person, right? If he was so great, he would be a D.C. in the league right now, right? And and I know people – I'm not trying to dog him. I'm, he knows more about football. He's forgot more about football than I will ever know, right? But if you remove the Wisconsin ties, he's not a top candidate. He's just not. Or else there would be five teams – requesting to interview him right now he's at illinois right now and like drew pointed out i understand he it was a hip surgery he stepped away from football now he's kind of going back through the ranks again and he started back at illinois but i just can't i don't know i guess i'm just too boring of a fan to to jump on that whole jim leonard thing so um, that's just me personally, uh, CL in the chat says number one quality in a DC along with leadership ability has to be intelligence. They have to match wits and compete with Shanahan, McVay, Reed, et cetera, et cetera, every week. Very true, man. And, and that's, you gotta get, you know, that's what we talked about. Christian Parker, man, seemed really intelligent. Now we haven't heard that clip I showed was just a mocked up version of Denard Wilson. He may be as smart or more intelligent than Christian Parker. If you sat down and got him in an interviewing, you know, one-on-one. But uh, yeah, you've got you're exactly right. You got to be able to match wits. But it is a very simple game too. There's only a handful of ways that offenses can attack defenses. There's there's about five different passing concepts, right, route combinations that the majority of the league uses. They just do it out of different looks, different motion to confuse the defense. It's the illusion of complexity with the just the root base of simplicity, right? These are all passing concepts that Bill Walsh used in the 70s and 80s. So nothing's really changed in that regard. I know it's not a a fun conversation or a fun comment to make, but it's so true. Um, The main thing is, I think, getting the most out of your players. That's where Joe Barry failed miserably, right? Like, if these players are as good as everyone says they are and all the first-round talents we talk about, then they should play like first-round talents. Now it's one of the two, right? Either Joe Barry didn't get the most out of them, or these guys aren't as good as we thought they were. I think it's it's probably right in the middle, to be honest with you. And that's not a popular conversation to have, you, because today's society you just want to blame one person. But anyway, we got to wrap this thing up. Let's go around the horn here once. Uh, let's start with Carly. Carly, you got anything else? You, I know you're over there playing Supermom.
5: <laughs> I actually was just about to type something in the chat. I was going to say you're, you'll see the next iteration of the of the NFL be uh, you know coaches drafting gymnasts that are going to just do backflips over the defenders and catch the ball in the air, and then you'll see Simone Biles as a coach.
4: Hmm. I like
5: that. That's coming. That's, <laughs> we're going to got to mix it up. You sure about that? Not exactly
3: sure. Jimmy says yes in all caps. If Jim Leonard didn't play for the Packers, I would still like him. I don't know how many times I have to say that. Did you watch the Wisconsin defense? Which Wisconsin defense, Drew? What year was that? You know what I'm saying? Like, there are great defensive coaches in the league today that can't get a job who had a great defense two years ago. But the game has already changed. It's It's already turned over, you know, the cyclical nature of the league, right? And let's see, Drew D says, it's just a way of attacking him without dealing with the fact that he has built up some of the best defenses with average prospects in a very intelligent and creative way. I'd love to hear the details, Drew. We talk offline all the time, man. Shoot me a message on Twitter and say, hey, here's the five things that he did with his defenses that really took average talent and made them great. I'd love to hear it. I really would. I haven't had anybody lay it out to me. That's why I'm asking. Like, Give me the details of what makes him so great. You may convince me. That's okay. Not that you should have to. I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying I haven't met one person that goes, dude, he's great because in this situation here, he likes to play with outside leverage, leverage with inside zone. He likes to, you know, basically on the backside, when they show a bunch set in a nasty – a bunch nasty on the right side, the short side of the field, he likes to bring pressure off the backside and fire a fire a fire zone blitz. Onto the strong side of the field and take that immediate hot away, like the details, the nuances of it. Right, that's all I'm trying to figure out. Because again, he, there's there's 32 teams in the league. If he was so great, he would be a DC somewhere. I believe that. Um, I really do. You know, <laughs> Listen, here's the thing: Bill Belichick doesn't have a job. He's won what six Super Bowls? Six. But Jim Leonard is the best choice at DC. Like. I don't what's do what uh,
4: I mean. What's Jim Leonard's NFL
3: coaching re- resume? That's the thing. He's never, he's never made it to the NFL either. He got offered to the best of my knowledge, one job, right. As a DC and that was green Bay and he turned it down. That's another thing too. Like the coaching, there's nothing that suggests Jim Leonard wants to be a DC in the NFL too. Right. That's another thing. That's kind of a flaw to me. Like you don't want to come up here and play with a big voice.
4: Like, and and the thing with this, wouldn't Jim be bringing his base? What wouldn't he bring his base four hundred four? Like it's not like we're gonna be in his base all the time. We're gonna be in nickel what eighty percent of the time, at so, least seventy percent. Yeah. So 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 ninety percent of his thinking has to be schemed up instead of like it's not like we're matching personnel. They were talking about it in the Lions game. They were matching down in distance versus personnel base.
3: That's the new right that- now.
4: Second half, they started matching personnel base, and they started getting dusted.
3: Yep. Yep. It's uh, you've seen it with Dallas. You've seen it with Buffalo. You're seeing it here with Baltimore. They're basically going for, forget the personnel. Let's just go down. That's that's the old school thinking of football. By the way, we talk about the foot the National Football League being cyclical. This is it right here. In the old days, that's what they used to do. In the old days, sound like Papal Bailey over here. Back back when I was a kid. <laughs> That's, that's what they would do, though. they go, okay, first down, put your base out there. I don't care if they go five wide, put our base out there. We're going to be prepared to stop the run. And then teams begin attacking like, okay, if they're going to always play their base defense and they're going to have three linebackers out there in the 43 look, let's go out there with three receivers, four receivers, and let's pass them out of it, right? And then teams started to match personnel. And now you're getting teams that are started going against the grain going, you know what, let's just put our best 11 out there. It's really the equivalent to what McVay and LaFleur did um, whenever McVay went away from the twenty-one twelve look to eleven personnel, like they talked about on the play callers, because he looked on the bench and said, "What the hell's Cooper Cup doing on the bench? What are we doing? Right? We need our best eleven out there." So they molded their the majority of what they were going to run was in eleven personnel, and that really went against the grain of what Kyle Shanahan liked to do. Now Kyle Shanahan's got some dogs in his twenty-one personnel. Did you guys see that catch by check the other night? That toe, toe drag swag, woo! Toe drag, That's swag. A fullback. That's, that's a, a fullback
4: doing that, yeah.
3: Wow. So not every team's got that. So anyway, anybody else got anything? Jacob, Carly, Tim, anybody? Nah. <laughs> Jacob said nah. Nah.
2: Nope.
3: All right, there you go. <laughs> Drew D, that's, that's very true. Drew D says, by the way, Leonard is actually closer to Rex Ryan's defense. That's what he runs. That's exactly what he runs, right? Where's Rex Ryan, too? This is the other thing, too, Drew. I'm thinking out loud. Why, why is Rex Ryan not in the league? He got fired. Right. Mike Petton runs Rex Ryan's defense. Why is he not the coordinator in Green Bay? He got fired. Right. And it doesn't mean he's a bad coach. It means the league is very cyclical. Right. <laughs> now, Mike Petton is an assistant in Minnesota. Well, why isn't he a D.C.? Because the league's caught on to that style of defense. Right. That's the way I see it. I could be wrong. Okay, I definitely could be wrong. But that's, you know, Buddy Ryan's 46 defense was all the craze in, in the 80s, wasn't it? He was, he was punching fellow coaches on the sideline and keeping his job. You know what I mean? Like, that's how good his defense was. They didn't want to run him out of town. He did great with Philly. did great with Chicago. I think he went on to be a head coach somewhere else, too, if I remember correctly. But what did teams do? They passed out of that. Quick West Coast passing got everyone out of the 46 defense, which essentially the 46 defense is – People think it's a 4-6 defense. That's not what it is. The 46, they had a safety on their team. His number was 46. They would put him on the line of scrimmage, and they're forcing oscillation blocks. They, their philosophy was basically, we're going to blitz your quarterback every single time. You may throw a touchdown every play, but your quarterback's going to get drilled every single play. That was their philosophy. That was Buddy Ryan. What are you laughing at, Jacob? What would you see?
0: Just laughing at Eric, as always.
4: <laughs> always. Oh, it's it starred. You can put it up, Clayton. It's cleared. You, I know cleared I can, Tim,
3: but should I? That's the question. Right? Cleared it. All right, here we go. Let's do it. He said, I made – oh, well, I heard P. <laughs> no, <laughs> I worry. He said, I made my kids' pee-wee team good with no talent. Am I qualified for the D.C. job? I I heard I, – I read P. there, and I immediately – Yeah. Yeah. All I could think of was Dave Chappelle's skit, that song he sang about R. Kelly. I was <laughs> going, oh, my God, what's Eric doing here? So, anyway. All right, we're out of here, guys. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. This was a lot of fun. Oh, we got one more. Maki says, uh-huh. when we are in Carolina, can Jair <laughs> step in as D.C. because he's from there? That's
0: the- <laughs> tell you what, though, Eric Sutherland inspired me. I'm going to watch Little Giants today at some point.
3: Bro, <laughs> Little Giants. Uh, come back mm-hmm. It's so underrated, Jacob, is it not?
4: It's a great movie. Great That's movie. where we belong, under the bleachers.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Hot so, hands. You got John Madden in there. You got Al Bundy in there. Really? Right? Icebox Box yeah. laying laying the boys out, showing them that a, that a that a girl can whip their tail in football. I like, it's just such a good.
0: Young Devin Sawa. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Who's All Devin right. Sawa? He's the heartthrob. He's junior. Come on, man. Get with the, it. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Is he the one? Ah. Did he play He played in a bunch of 90s movies, didn't he? he oh didn't yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Mandy's probably downstairs going, yeah, Devin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guarantee it. Well, we both grew up in the 90s. So, all right, we're out of here, guys. Appreciate everybody's time. This was a lot of fun. Uh, we will be back tonight. Uh, maybe we'll get some more news, right? Um, and, uh, and maybe they'll actually set up the actual interview, that type of thing. It sounds like they're seeking that anyway. So, uh, it's got to get approved. I can't imagine they would decline his opportunity to interview. You know, I, I don't even know how they could. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't, you can't stop someone from interviewing out the season's over. Maybe there is a set day that they can technically decline. But that's just – that's operating in bad faith for sure. But we'll be back tonight for PTA Live. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us. For those of you listening on the pod, thank you for making us a part of your day. Also, uh, I know we're getting a bunch of orders going in the merch store. Let me know if you guys have any problems. It looks like what we've got in there right now has been approved, and we got a bunch of stuff flying out there, which is absolutely awesome. If you guys are going, Clayton, you keep talking about this merch store. We don't know where to find it. There will be a link in the description of this YouTube video. Okay. I should have my hoodie in today. Um, United Bates was like, I'm not waiting on the merch store to get approved. He actually made his own (laughs) Packer Access hoodie, it looks pimp. I was like, man, I actually got him in here to design this stuff. I'm over here pointing and clicking, trying to figure it out. Yeah, that looks okay. Mandy's like, that looks horrible, right? Mm-hmm. Making birth control clothes over here. You ain't getting nobody pregnant wearing these designs. I promise you that. But Anyway, we're out of here, guys. Appreciate y'all. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go.